This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Carpe Diem with your host, Lisa McDonald. My mama told me when I was young, we're all my superstars. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for joining me once again on this lovely Friday morning, September 4th. I'm super excited to be joined today by my exceptionally multi-talented, lovely guest, wonderful, phenomenal human being, Chris Burkett. Uh, so as I normally do with my guest, uh, in order to accurately prop them and uh, let them know what's going on, let you all know what's going on, I'm just going to read a little bit about Chris's bio before we turn it over to Unscripted Dialogue. So Chris is a multi-talented, award-winning producer, singer, songwriter, composer, and sound engineer. His music collaborations with A-list artists like Sinead O'Connor, Alison Moyet, Dexas Midnight Runners, Talking Heads, The Pogues, Bob Geldof, Quincy Jones, Mel Brooks, Buffy St. Marie, and Steve Earle have sold over 100 million records and earned him a Canadian Juno and three Ampex Golden Reel Awards for excellence in the music business. His career began as a guitarist playing in London clubs before touring with Memphis artists Rufus Thomas, Ann Peebles, and King Floyd. At 23 years of age, Chris joined the pop group Love Affair, whose song Everlasting Love ruled the UK charts. The following year, he joined Omaha Sheriff, who had just signed a major recording deal with Tony Visconti, manager of Good Earth Records and producer for David Bowie and the Moody Blues. With Visconti as mentor, Chris expanded his career to include producing, engineering, and mixing many UK and international hits, including Sinead O'Connor's number one hit, Nothing Compares to You. His London studio was a beehive of activity that rated number two in the world on Billboard's top studio charts. At the same time, Chris's own single, Where Do We Go From Here?, was picked by Ed Bicknell, Dire Straits manager to play alongside U2, Peter Gabriel, Bob Marley, Tears for Fears, and Queen on Polygram's One Voice, One Love album, with proceeds going to CARE International's African Famine Relief Fund. In 1993, Chris left the UK for France and built a recording studio inside a chateau near Bordeaux. There he produced albums with the Buena Vista Social Club and other world-class musicians, including Atron Fanatwa, whose album received the Best World Music Album in 2006. He then moved his studio to Paris, where he released his second album, Freedom, and received growing acclaim for his work with world musicians like Algerian sensation Ali Amran. Chris is no stranger to Canadian music, having produced three albums for Canadian artist Buffy St. Marie, including her Juno Award-winning album, Running for the Drum, in 2009. In 2012, he moved to Canada, opening a recording studio in Toronto, and finished working on his third album, Be Creative, featuring performances from many talented Canadian artists, including Glenn Milcham, Blue Rodeo, and Rick Emmett from Triumph. Now a permanent resident of Canada, Chris's latest credit is co-producer of Buffy St. Marie's fourth album, Power in the Blood, including the title track with John Levine and Michael Mojawoda for the True North Records. 
Chris is currently busy performing at venues across Toronto, speaking at industry conferences, including Indie 101 in Manchester, and creating new recordings for a range of talented Canadian musicians. Chris can be reached at chrisburkett at yahoo.com, and Burkett is spelled B-I-R-K-E-T-T, as well as chrisburkett.ca. So we'll we'll come back to uh, the contact information shortly throughout the show of where you can reach Chris. But Chris, I just want to welcome you very much to my radio show. It's lovely having you here. Thanks, Lisa. That's a and, that's, an, that's a very impressive bio. Who are you talking about? Ah, somebody who's <laughs> obviously quite impressive. <laughs> well, it, it sounds I, like it sounds like it's about somebody else. <laughs> well, it's, it's very accurate. Anyway, thank you for being so accurate in your um, oh. Absolutely. And, you know, you must, uh, you must feel quite surreal when you hear other people talking about you in the way that I just plugged you. I mean, you must every once in a while go, wow, like, is that me? Is that my life? Have I really accomplished all those wonderful things and connected with all those phenomenal bright lights in the world? So good on yes. you. Yes. It's kind of like a, kind of like a dream almost. And, mm-hmm. uh, considering I, uh, I came from a really, really, uh, poor background. And I spent I spent my early twenties sleeping on the streets in London, and uh, with no family and no money and no friends, and and I just worked my the only thing that kept me alive was my music. I had my Gibson SG guitar and a suitcase with a couple of t-shirts, and I just went to every audition I could go to. So it's uh, it's quite when you when you read all that stuff, it's just like who is that person? Right. <laughs> so it's, it's very it's a strange um, strange feeling, but uh, I'm uh, I'm very happy to be. Me and I'm very extremely happy to be talking to you as well. Well, thank you, Chris. I really appreciate that. And it's uh, such an honor and a privilege to have you on my show and to have you in my life. And uh, for people who are tuning into the radio show but may not necessarily be connected to me through my social media outlets, uh, what would be important to note is uh, Chris has asked me to be his marketing manager. And uh, so I'm quite elated by that. Uh, still very surreal, uh, trying to get grounded with all of that. And uh, we've also discussed about embarking on co-authoring a book together and that could be a couple of different uh, couple of different books perhaps in the future because I know Chris has his own vision for his own book and I've got my own books that are coming up adult version in a different genre from my current children's books but uh, so I just want to say how grateful I am to you for having sought me out for that opportunity for being my radio guest today uh, for all the wonderful impending upcoming uh, creative collaborations that we're going to be embarking on together. Uh, I can't tell you how much that means to me, Chris. So thank you for believing in me and thank you for these opportunities. Uh, I, think our, I think our meeting is a cosmic conspiracy, so I'm happy with that. I absolutely believe that as well. And it's been really lovely recently having met the, had the opportunity to have met with you and, um, and to speak in person. And I know that because of all these endeavors that are coming up and timelines that would be obviously attached to that, we'll have more opportunity to work together closely and uh, produce some wonderful things. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, you know, really on board with everything that you're envisioning and manifesting for yourself and for myself and the role that I play in that with you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you too. I mean, thank you for agreeing to be a part of it. And uh, because I'm new in Canada, relatively new, mm-hmm. it's very it's very important for me to network as much as possible and to meet creative people like yourself uh, that can help me on my path because I'm uh, I'm constantly creating i'm constantly writing music i i kind of um i channel music i don't actually write it it just comes through me which a lot of 
a lot of uh, songwriters I work with will, will admit, the, admit to that too. Um, right. You know, I, I work with uh, Randy Newman. He's not on my bio, but I played a concert with him. And Sting and Peter Gabriel. And all, uh, all those artists have expressed that, in fact, music doesn't come from them. It comes through them. They become the vehicle for some form of expression. And uh, that's... That force is always around me and in me, and I can't, uh, I could never stop it. I don't subscribe to the idea of ever retiring. In fact, my top of my bucket list is to just like literally fall over and die on stage. You know, that would be a, a great pleasure. <laughs> lovely. Absolutely right, right, lovely. Right, right in the middle of a guitar solo. <laughs> there you go. Um, so what I'd like to talk to you about as well, Chris, because I mean, you know, for anybody who knows you, and that would be, you know, most of the world, I'm assuming and presuming, but, uh, you know, what I've really garnered from our conversations and what I really find fascinating about you, um, which I do with all my guests, it's, you know, it's the inception of the journey and you, you gleaned a little bit about that in the beginning when you talked about humble beginnings and being mm-hmm. poor and going to all these gigs and rehearsals and whatnot. But I, I'm really quite fascinated by what epiphany you had and, and, and how your soul was enriched and how you were enlightened as a result of your trip to India. Do you want to speak a little bit about uh, that? Yeah, well, I've had a few awakenings or epiphanies, whatever you want to call them, uh, through my life. I could, you know, we, we need a, a lot of time to talk about all of them. But uh, one of the um, things that really changed the way I look at everything mm-hmm. and, and helped me to appreciate myself as a as a an entity, as a, um, a particle of the whole, is was uh, I was invited to Oneness University in um, in uh, 2009, I think it was around that time. Um, I was looking for a new teaching at the time. I'd been working with the Gurdjieff work in London for 15 years, and then when I moved to Bordeaux, I couldn't. There wasn't a Gurdjieff work there, so I was looking everywhere for uh, a new teaching. At that time, I was very much, you know looking out, searching for gurus and that kind of thing. And, of course, I subsequently realized that you don't need a guru because it's all in you anyway. But uh, I, was, I, I studied Sufism and uh, Buddhism and just about every ism on the planet I could get my hands on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was subscribed to this online um, site called whatthebleep.com, and I found an article on that site uh, about Oneness University. And it was uh, the university was started by a headmaster and headmistress back in the 60s, as a school for young children. And they, they were disillusioned by the education system in India. They, they considered that, that people were being programmed to be good robots for society, you know, to make money and to succeed and all that stuff that we are programmed with. So they decided, they got some sponsorship, and they uh, decided to open a school on a plot of land uh, down in Chennai, southeast India. And uh, so what they did with that school is they... Um, uh, they interviewed every child that came, and the first thing they would ask, they would try to discover what their sole contract is. In other words, why the child was here in this lifetime, in this body. And they would do that by asking about their dreams. You know, and quite often you find in our society, in our Western culture, uh, children's dreams are, like, are usually killed at source. You know, the, the kid will say, uh, I want to be, uh, you know, a space you know, I want to be an astronaut, daddy, and the grandma say, don't be ridiculous, you can't do that, you know, or, or I want to be a musician. No, you can't do that, you can't make a living at that type of, you know, that type of thing, right? <laughs> so anyway, they, so, so with the kids that entered this school in uh, Chennai, which became known as Oneness, uh, the Oneness University, 
they would ask about their dreams and then they would uh, form their education around the child's what they consider to be the child's real destiny as a as a spiritual being in a material body mm-hmm. and uh, so um this uh, after a few years the children at that school started to exhibit incredible talents very unusual talents which in fact i believe is obtainable for any anybody um they started to become telepath telepathic mm-hmm. Uh, they started to uh, become natural healers. They could touch an animal and it would get better. And they, and they were also had a lot of reports of uh, from the kids of uh, seeing golden orbs of light coming down through the crown chakra straight into the into the body, and that's kind of unusual stuff. But in addition to that, their their results from that school were amazing. They started to be, without trying, they started to be really um, get really good results. Now, I have to tell you that they eradicated competition from the school. So even if they played sports, it wasn't a question of beating the other person. The sport, the, the, the aim of the sport was to enjoy that the process of participating in the physical activity of sport itself. There wasn't a let's beat the other team situation. And also they, they, they eradicated the exams from the school. They were able to do this because they were qualified teachers. And so anyway, after a few years, they some of the parents asked to join the school because they couldn't believe the kind of way that their kids were turning out. And they, so they changed, they closed it as a school, they opened it as a university. And they, they invited me there in 2009 as a VIP in the music business because they wanted to get this message out. So my particular experience at that university, uh, I could tell you, do we have time to explain all this? Or just Absolutely. You just, uh, you know, cut me off and, you know, the commercial, <laughs> if you want to. So the, my particular experience is that I was invited as a VIP, so I stayed in the, the, the VIP campus, you know. Anyway, uh, which, you know, didn't mean anything to me, but anyway, the, I was, we were working through the seven stages from suffering through to calm. And, uh, it has a seven stage progress in this particular teaching that they were showing. Uh, the teaching was called Diksha, and Diksha means passing energy from one person to another with the object of healing. So it's like a Reiki kind of training. Uh, so uh, the seven stages, were, we, we were working on day four, we were working on joy, which is what happens when you start to realize that suffering is not in the event itself, it's in our perception of the event. Mm-hmm. So this... Um, so the, the the young teachers, uh, they're all like in their 20s and stuff, they, they all came from the school, and the young dancers they called, came in... Uh, the next morning, and he said, uh, uh, before we move on to the next stage in this, which is a uh, rapture, I would, I'd like to announce that we have a discotheque tonight. And I said, what, you know, mm-hmm. WTF, you know, what's, what, what, <laughs> what's a discotheque got to do with this sacred work we're doing, you know? Uh, so anyway, that evening, I was in this room, and they were playing like ABBA and, you know, the Bee Gees and sort of stuff which is very good but it's not really my thing and I didn't feel it was appropriate so I was standing in the corner of the room and all these Japanese bankers and you know businessmen and politicians were all leaping around like monkeys enjoying the music and I I was cross-armed sitting in the corner feeling you know totally out of it so I went back to my room and I was laying on the bed and I was sort of looking at the ceiling and thinking, oh, I've come all this way to India, just a, a wild goose chase, you know, it's just not spiritual work, blah, blah, blah. I was all, you know, I was feeling sorry for myself and all that stuff. Anyway, I got up the next day at five for our usual spicy Indian breakfast and then followed by meditation. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the new, a new teacher came in every day and this, this particular person came in and said, uh, 
before we go on to our next stage, uh, I'd like to talk once more about suffering. It's a, the reason we suffer so much as individual human beings is that we're un- unable to accept what's going on around us as reality. We wish to change the reality around us to the way we want it to be. In other words, if a person is you don't like, for instance, if you wish to, that per- to change that person to be a person that you would like. We, it's all conditioned on our own egocentric ideas, okay? Mm-hmm. So, so when he said that, I felt like I'd been shot in the head with a, a diamond bullet. Right mm-hmm. to the center of my head, it was, it was the most strange feeling. I, I exploded into rapture. I started grinning uncontrollably. My solar plexus was fluttering like a bird. And I realized how true that was because the previous night, I, the music was not the way I wanted it to be. I, mean, I wanted sacred music and they were playing the Bee Gees, right? So I was, <laughs> you know, I was like really suffering. I thought, God, I, I went through all that suffering just because I did, my exterior reality is not the way I wanted it to be. And of course, this just burst over my whole life, came before me, and I realized that all through my life I'd been suffering unnecessarily over this particular thing. So it, I, I had the, the whole day, I have to tell you without exaggeration, I had this incredible huge grin on my face, and I couldn't eat any food. I was just overwhelmed with emotion. And I went to the, for a walk in the hills, uh, lunchtime, and I sat near a lake, and I had this, singing for my pineal gland, you know, the gland in the middle of your head, the root of the nose. It was just kind of singing to me. It's just, I never experienced that. It was really weird. And and I, I had a moment of true nowness when I was totally there. I saw every single thing around me. I heard every sound. And I knew, I understood how the universe worked for a second. I don't know whether you understand that, but it was just, I like, do. it was unbelievable. So, um, wonderful. excuse me. Excuse me, well, when I recall, it makes me emotional, so if I sound a bit yeah. crooked, that's why. No. But, um, anyway, I, I, so I went back from, I spent a month in India and I visited, uh, Sri Aurobindo's ashram, went to Auroville and there's fascinating places. They all, they all have stories to each thing. But the main thing that happened to me is that I forgave myself. I'd recently come out of a marriage, a divorce, and I forgave my, my parents too, because I grew up, my mother left when I was four years old. And I was told by my father that she was really not a nice person and, you know, told all these stories and, and I couldn't verify any of them, but I didn't see her for one reason or another. And I, so when I got back to France, I was living in, uh, France at the time, down in Bordeaux. I got back and I made it my aim to find my mother. I hadn't seen her since I was four years old. And I did a lot of research and I found her in Perth, Australia. So I found her up and I said, uh, this is your son, Chris. And then she, became really emotional and started crying and, and, you know, she hadn't heard from me and I hadn't heard from her. So, and then we just talked for hours on the phone and I said, what was, you know, why did you and dad break up? And I got this story, which is nothing to do at all with the story my father told me. So, um, anyway, the point of the story is I reconnected with my parents after this really, what for me, unhappy childhood of abandonment and, you know, no family and everything. And it just like, Everything turned around and made, I have to tell you that my creativity and songwriting went up a thousand percent. I didn't have to try and write songs anymore. They just came through me. Mm-hmm. And they still do. And I just, I'm just that, have a universe of music. Beautiful. With me. And, and, uh, that's, that's, um, that was one of my epiphanies, one of my wake ups. But there's, there are many, many, you know, we need a lot of shows to talk about all the right. 
Well, we'll definitely be having you back on to share some of those additional epiphanies and, and uh, you know, future updates and whatnot. But thank you. That's uh, very raw, very revealing and intimate. So thank you for sharing that with us, Chris. Yeah, and, um, So as far as, um, you know, all that you've endeavored and all that you've accomplished, all your accolades and successes and collaborations, you know, do you have, I mean, I'm sure there's unique stories to every individual person that you have worked with or had the privilege to um, co-write with or, or anything that you've endeavored to do. Is there, is there one story or one artist in, in specifically who has really resonated with you or you felt very connected with spiritually, uh, who, you know, work collaborating with them has really brought you to a different level within your own creativity or your own career? Yeah, I have to say, well, apart from Tony Visconti, of course, who, who was my mentor, um, I think the artist that's had the most effect on me, spiritually and creatively, creatively is uh, Buffy St. Marie. Mm-hmm. And uh, Buffy taught me, you know, I've worked with her since 1993. We've been, I've been to Hawaii many, many times where she lives, and we've uh, done a lot of music together. Mm-hmm. And she she was quoted once, uh, she said in a press, press interview, oh, yes, Chris Burkett, half rocker, half angel. So mm-hmm. I don't know how you're going to take that, but <laughs> watch, out for the, watch out for the rocker bit. Okay, so, anyway, <laughs> she, she, she actually explained really well in the way that I understood um, the, how the creative process works. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll just tell you briefly, because I think it's interesting for the listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, cre- creativity is... Uh, is energy is divine energy looking for manifestation in the material world. It can take any form. It can be art, poetry, architecture, even you know cooking, anything. It's, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Now, what she what she helped me to understand is that there are, because we're as humans we have this formatory apparatus called the brain. Mm-hmm. What the brain tends to do is the brain is a, almost a barrier to the intuitive process. The intuition is a flow from a higher energy to a lower energy. It comes, it usually comes through the crown chakra. Now we, now what happens when we're writing songs, and which is what I used to do before she taught me this particular thing, is that we have, uh, for example, we'd be write, I'd be writing a vert, a song, I want to get an idea down, I want to say something in some words, and then I put music to it after. That's, that's usually the way I work. So I would get uh, to the, I'd write the first verse, and I'd get to the second verse, and then I'd be looking back at the first verse and either approving or disapproving what I'd written. In other words, oh, that second line really sucks, and if my friends saw that, they'd think I was an idiot kind of thing, you know? So as soon as you get into that, you're no longer creating, you're editing. So, the, so the, there are two processes to take in, into consideration. There's the creative process, there's the editing process. They're not the same thing at all. And the idea is to keep the editor out of the way. And the editor is associated with the ego, the formatory mind, and the ego, the idea of me, I am type of thing. And that, that, that process is not creative at all. It's, it's formatory. It's, it's great for editing. It's great for organizing, calculating, dividing, you know, planning. It's a perfect tool. And, and, uh, we have to have, this tool is essential. We need it, but it's not the tool that where the creativity comes from. The creativity comes from the intuitive process. So the idea is to get them, get the mind out of the way of the intuitive process. And that's what I do when I'm working with artists. I try to capture them. I, I record artists even though when they don't know they're being recorded. So they don't have that red, red light syndrome, you know, fear mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's, I never get 
I, I endeavor never to get in the way of the creative process. I just step aside, get out of the way of that, and let that happen, and then sort it out later. Beautiful. And it, and it works really well. It's worked uh, very well for Sinead O'Connor. Nothing Compares to You was a one-take vocal. I didn't, I didn't set a mic up and make her sing for two hours to, well, I got a great sound. Mm-hmm. I just put a, a mic up and just natural, my, my favorite mic, straight, straight down onto, onto a tape at the time. And, uh, that was it. One Amazing. Tape. So some of the, uh, I made a record with Addison Moye, which is a big hit. It's called That Old Devil Called Love. Mm-hmm. That, that was a one take vocal too. Fantastic, Chris. Yeah. Wonderful. So, so that you know, the best the best things happen when we get out of the way and let it happen. Absolutely, mm. completely agree with that wholeheartedly. Mm. And so, for all the different hats and roles that you've played within the music industry, you know, are, are you more passionate? Are you more compelled to, uh, you know, follow your energy with one of those hats in particular? Whether it be singer, songwriter, sound engineer, um, producer, do you have a favorite hat in which you wear? Um, well, I'm bald, so I have to have a hat, <laughs> especially in the summer. But uh, I, um, I promised myself when I came to Canada that I would divide my time 50-50 between producing and helping other artists to manifest their dreams mm-hmm. and, and doing my own songs, which up till now, I have to say, I've always put on the back burner. When I was living in Europe, it was 90-10. Mm-hmm. So it was 90% produce, producing. Mm-hmm. engineering, mixing, whatever, 10% my own stuff. I always put my own stuff on the back burner and did other projects. Mm-hmm. I promised myself when I got here that I would actually change that, and that's what I've been doing. That's why I've been actively going out there, playing concerts. Mm-hmm. And uh, my ex-manager was really angry with me. He used to say, oh, Chris Burkett, open a fridge door and he'll play a set, you know. And uh, I was, you know, and he said, you shouldn't be playing small concerts around. And I said, well, I, I'm sorry, but I... I I have to play as much as possible because when I do an important concert, I don't want to be fumbling around trying mm-hmm. to get things right. I want it to be totally natural. And uh, so that's where I am right now. I've been playing, you know, a lot of shows, four shows a week sometimes in the mm-hmm. Toronto area. And uh, and it's working really well. I just I just love it. You know, I just I'm feeling really I'm feeling really relaxed on stage now. It's a totally natural environment for me and I play, I can play, give my best because I'm not, you know, nervous or, mm-hmm. you know, worrying about getting things right and making mistakes. I don't, I don't care about that. It just yeah. comes out. So, yeah. so, so I'm living my, uh, I'm living my dream now finally and I think it's the country to do it because I just, I just love Canada. I love, yay, I love, Canada. Well, I just, <laughs> that's why I, that's why I applied to be a permanent resident and now I'm applying to be a citizen and, yeah. uh, I think it's it's a multicultural mosaic, and I just love that. I'm, on my new album, uh, Be Creative, I I wrote a song dedicated to my Greek cousin because I'm half Greek. Right, my mother's from the island of Syros. Mm-hmm. My Greek uh, family contacted me a few couple of years ago and told me that my cousin Vasilis Arvantis had passed away with cancer at the age of 42, and they asked me to write a tribute song. So I wrote this song in his name called Vasilis. And I wanted to put this song on my album, so I did. Now, uh, I wanted to, the song to be culturally significant, so it had to have a bazooki on it. Bazooki is a traditional Greek instrument. Now, I have a bazooki that I bought off Vangelis, uh, the Greek composer, 
out in the island of Syros when I was out there a few years ago. But I play the bouzouki like a guitarist plays a bouzouki, you know. So it's, a, it's a different technique. So I was wondering what to do about this. So anyway, I went for dinner on the Danforth one night, and I was eating my Greek food, my calamari and stuff that I'm addicted to, right? And uh, I, um, I, there's this incredible um, musician. He was a young guy, like 25 years old, playing in a duet, and he was playing bouzouki, and he was just looking around the room, you know, just, you know, uh, but playing this Van Halen-type stuff on the bouzouki. I, I couldn't believe how good he was. So I went up to him, and I said, uh, introduced myself, gave him my card, and I said, I'd really like you to play on my new album. So the week later, he came in, and if you listen to this years, you can hear some really excellent bouzouki playing on it. Wonderful. So that's what I like about this place. It's just you can find any anyone you like. And I played uh, in Montreal with uh, Ali Amran, Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, and we played in a cinema, you know, two thousand capacity cinema, standing room only. You know, there's lots of Berbers in uh, Montreal, mm-hmm. and the Berbers are the North African tribe, the original tribe before the Ottoman invasion, before it became Arabic, and they have incredible music. So, so check out Ali Amran when you get a chance. I've done two albums with him now. So he's really good. Absolutely, and we'll be plugging that everywhere, especially now with me being your marketing manager. All that stuff's going to be uploaded and shared everywhere. Um, yeah. but, but while we're talking about sharing and we're talking about your your gigging in your venues in Toronto, do you want to share with us, Chris, for the listening audience, uh, what's upcoming yeah, starting so with this evening? I'd love to, yeah. Tonight, uh, which is the 4th of September, I hope, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm playing at the... I'm playing at uh, a car, an open air car rally. It's a rock show with a, my my favorite local rock band. They're called The Loft, and they're playing. We're playing a show together. It's at 3105 Argentia Road, Mississauga. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you get there around about five, it goes on till 10 p.m. It's just uh, we're doing three hours of like uh, originals and covers. Some original loft music, some Chris Burkett music, and some covers. So, but all good stuff. So that's that's worth seeing. That's tonight. Uh, on the 10th of September, I'm playing at Lou Dogs, which is a little club down in uh, Portland King, in downtown, 589 King Street West. I'm on there with a, a good friend of mine who just just flew over from Belgium two days ago called Akin, and we're doing a double show, and that's from nine till midnight. Mm-hmm. So that's that's going to be an acoustic show. So that's you'll hear another side of my um, alter ego. <laughs> uh, on the eleventh, which is the day after, I'm playing at the Rock Pile, um, which is in fifty-five fifty-five A Dundas Street West. Mm-hmm. I'm on there with uh, three other rock bands uh, with the Loft again. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's from seven to twelve. Uh, yeah, please come down to that because it's, uh, it's going to be a really good show. It, the Rock Pile has a great sound system and a really nice big stage, so it's going to be a fun show. Yeah. And on the 25th, I'm playing at the – it's a return gig. We've been asked to go back because they liked us so much. Uh, the Linsmore Tavern, 1298 Danforth Avenue. And we're headlining that gig, me and the, me and the loft again. It's um, 8 to 12. Excellent. And that's in Toronto. We just need to specify because this is, this yeah, is, yeah, this is all, 145 countries. So, Oh, right. This is, a, this is all what's called the GTA, the Greater yes. Toronto. Um, it's all around Toronto. And the Lou Dogs is in downtown Toronto and the Danforth is in in town too. The Rock Pile is in uh, Dundas Street West. It's just, just out of town slightly, but it's still in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the gig tonight is in Mississauga. Super. 
Well, I encourage everybody to go and support and see Chris. You'll, you know, certainly enjoy yourself. You'll learn something. And, uh, I can't wait to do that myself, Chris. I'm really, really looking forward to it. And, uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about, you know, who do you turn to for mentorship? You know, whether it be somebody who's actually in the industry, maybe somebody completely outside of the industry, maybe it's a combination of a bunch of people. Um, well, I turn to my, my, the divine creator for my mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, um, I'm very, um, I realize that my gifts come from, they're, they're, they're literally gifts. You know, mm-hmm. it's something that I've just been given. It's almost like a, in my DNA. Mm-hmm. Um, music has saved my life in many, many times. And, uh, so apart from the, the, the material plane mentorship, you know, like, Tony and Buffy St. Marie and people like that, which also cross over into the spiritual, actually, because Buffy's a very, very profound spiritual person. She's a campaigner for First Nation rights, and I, I'm on that same path. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess my my main... I don't have I don't follow gurus anymore. I used to. Um, I don't believe that we need to go through another person to contact the creative spirit. It's already there, and the only thing that really gets in the way of that is fear fear absolutely. and doubt uh, as I think it Lincoln said the only thing we have to fear is fear, fear itself self. absolutely and uh, that, so um, I've kind of I'm at a very fortunate place in my life where I, I don't really fear anything anymore mm-hmm. and uh, I even look at death as a beautiful transition and, a, and a, a freedom from material into a new a new plane of existence and i I've, I've been there, I've experienced it. I've, I've worked with uh, shamans from Peru and uh, I've had many out-of-body experiences and I know that there's another dimension out there and I'm very connected to that and, it's, and it's, that dimension works really well in the musical context because I believe that music is a universal language. It mm-hmm. can cross, it can cross uh, barriers of race, culture, politics. It's, it's a perfect communication medium. Absolutely. So I feel really, I just feel really blessed to be able to use that language and use that medium. You'll find if you listen to my music, uh, nearly all my songs, apart from the love songs, which are also love songs, but, uh, um, you'll find that there's a message in the, in that music. I try to, I try to use, um, double meanings in my songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you listen to Be Creative, my new album, there's a song called Without Love. And without love is a, sounds like a love song to a woman, but it's actually a love song to Mother Nature. Beautiful. Who is, who is the divine woman? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Who, who is the, Gaia is the, is the feminine principle. Mm-hmm. I'm also a campaigner for feminine rights. You know, I believe that fe- females have been downtrodden for over 2,000 years mm-hmm. because of, because of, you know, male testosterone dominance and also Political reasons and, and financial reasons. They, they've been uh, considered and as second class and mm-hmm. secondary to man. I don't actually subscribe to that at all. If you know anything about yin and yang and the, and the balance equilibrium of the universe, you'll realize that the feminine principle is absolutely essential for the man, masculine principle to to manifest. It's like absolutely. you can't have night without day. You can't have day without night. It's you know it's mm-hmm. they they mutually help each other. And until we get to that position of mutual assistance and balance, we're never going to evolve. We have to, mm-hmm. we 
have to uh, include the feminine principle now. And, and there's, you know, it's, it's happening. Mm-hmm. We're, we're living in exciting times. You know, there's obviously there's a reactional from the uh, initial um, female resurgence. Um, there, there's a reactional tendency, obviously. So that's, but once that balances out, Mm-hmm. We have a, we're going to have a perfect, uh, perfect situation and we're going to move into the new age of Aquarius, which is the age of enlightenment for humanity in a, mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a good way. So that's happening around us now and I feel it, which is really good. I'm very happy to be alive at this period. As well as I. And uh, on behalf of all women and all my feminist uh, male friends, counterparts as well, I just want to say that we love and appreciate you for that because uh, it really is about... We're all one, and we talk about that quite often on radio. You know, it's, it's we got to get rid of the divisiveness and the divide, and looking at things from two different perspectives in terms of gender, in terms of anything. It's you know, yeah. we're, and so the fact that you said that and that you subscribe to that and live your life accordingly, I we really appreciate that. So thank you, Chris. That's uh, okay. It's, um, I think anybody that tries to become conscious will come to the same realization. Absolutely. You can't, you can't have consciousness without balance. Mm-hmm. It's, it's essential. You know, the, the sun the sun comes up every day and goes down. It's, it's, I've got a new song called uh, "Turning Around the Sun," which is uh, uh, I'm going to uh, I want everybody to hear that. I'm working on it right now, but uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of about that. Well, excited to hear that. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, <clears throat> you know, for for anybody who. Um, you may have imparted this uh, type of wisdom or advice uh, or just energy energetically to or anybody who uh, is struggling, you know, anybody who's listening right now who very much knows that they're on the path creatively, that there's things that they're meant to do. There's a message in which they're meant to impart to the rest of the world in, in terms of honoring mm. themselves and celebrating their gift with humanity. Um, you know, looking back on the inception of your beginning, looking back on your humble beginnings, tough times, what would you say to people who are struggling or, you know, don't have positive people who are in their corner or are just feeling really not quite sure where they're meant to go, how to go about approaching things? What would you say to these people, Chris? I think suffering is in in the perception, not in the event. For example, we can complain that the rose bushes have thorns or we can rejoice that thorn bushes have roses. Same event, different perception. I would say that try to change your perception. Try to connect with the fact that you're, you have the gift of life. Now, I know life's really, really difficult. I've experienced it myself. I, I was, at, as I mentioned earlier, I was at a time when I was so, so low that I wanted to kill myself many times because I was sleeping out in the streets and a lot of bad things happened to me. But I could tell you that I realized that the worst things that happen to you are actually there for you to learn from. So enjoy being negative. Enjoy that process because you're learning from it. The spirit is learning from it. And I, I met a remarkable person in Paris, uh, Neil Donald Walsh, and uh, he, he wrote the books uh, Conversations with God. Mm-hmm. And uh, at his uh, seminar, his first question was, um, Hands up all the people that have been through a really, really traumatic, difficult experience. And like almost everybody put in the room of 2,000 people, put their hands up, right? Mm-hmm. And then he said, now I want you to raise your hands. Anybody that found in retrospect that that experience was really, really useful for them, 
from the point of view of moving on, moving forward in life. And almost everybody put their hand up. Wonderful. Wonderful. And so, so, so you... I know it's, I know it's difficult. It's, you know, I'm, I'm in a really positive frame of mind in my life right now, which, and uh, I think you are too. And, uh, I am. And because certain things have been uncovered and I know it's difficult and I, I, I'm not going to preach to anybody and say, yeah, it'll be all right. It'll go away. What I will say is that don't, if you find yourself suffering, almost look at outside yourself and say, I'm suffering. And because your spirit is not your material body, it's something else that, that is eternal and immortal and nothing can harm it. You, um, nothing, nobody can take your spirit away. And look on, try and try and contact the the real you, not the not the ego me, but mm-hmm. the I, the I that's that is that is the real us, that is connected to the whole cosmos. It's a beautiful, beautiful, precise, creative mechanism, and we're part of it. We have the universe in us. In the in the, the Kabbalah, they say, as above, so below. Everything that's in us is operating out there as well in the cosmos, and we we're, we're literally a conglomeration of little planets. Very true. Very so, true, Chris. so if you can try to get tap into that way of thinking, it's um, and don't try and what we tend to do when, when we're depressed is that we identify with the depression. We say, "I'm depressed," so there's immediate egocentric identification goes happens with the depression, and that actually that actually gives strength to the depression and makes it even worse. Mm-hmm. Thing is to say, "I'm depressed." And, but don't try not to identify with it. I don't really understand that at all. Identification is when you actually attach yourself to it and say, "Yes, this is really me." You know, yeah. Where really, me is not that. Me, me is I. I is not actually depressed. I can look at the depression and say, "You're in a really bad place right now. You're really depressed." But almost with a sense of humour, you know, you're always looking down and saying, "Yes, you know, this, this is a, you're, you're, learn, you're you're learning from this. You know, you're learning from it." But just remember that you'll learn from everything. Everything is a learning process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, and so, and thank you for that. I, I'm, I'm sure that those words of wisdom have probably reached a lot of people and, uh, you're giving food for thought, you know, something to think about. And, um, hopefully it resonates with lots of people because, you know, we, we are in a very difficult time right now. And, uh, you know, but I also think we're in a beautiful time. And I, you know, you and I have spoken about this, you know, mm. where you place your energy is what shows up in your life, whether it be the positive people in, in which you choose to align with, whether it be, you know, the mantras that you, you start mm. off your day with and that you remain committed to. And, uh, and then it just becomes like breathing. It's really second yeah. nature and it's really simple. We complicate things unnecessarily, which thereabouts brings on the suffering. And, uh, I think people sometimes lose sight of that, you know, we are yeah. in, in many ways very capable of of rechanneling and uh, refocusing and and getting back on the path in which we feel we're destined to be on. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the thing is, life is very very powerful and uh, overwhelming sometimes. So mm-hmm. what I what I do, I try to just give a moment to myself every day to connecting with my true true me, my true I. And that's in the form of uh, meditation, whatever it takes. Just you can just sit there and listen, observe your breath going in. Mm-hmm. But um, it's I learned this in the in the Gurdjieff work. Where Gurdjieff used to say, um, "Sit down and say to say to your whatever your God is, <laughs> say, um, give me this five minutes, and then take the rest of the day you can go to the devil." 
Yeah, because there, there's it's impossible to be conscious all the time. Life is way too strong for that. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, sur- we're surrounded on this planet. We have, I think it's like 48 mechanical laws we're under, which are just, and, and all the bra- sub-branches and sub-harmonics of those laws. It's so much to deal with. Uh, I believe that when a person reaches full consciousness on this planet, the whole, all the angels in the universe rejoice because mm-hmm. it's, we're in a difficult place. You know, mm-hmm. we're right at the end of the cosmos, literally. You know, this small little globe. And uh, I can talk about that for hours too, but I won't, because <laughs> I have my ideas of why we're here and everything. But um, through my research, I, I would suggest that people read books like uh, Lawrence Gardner's books, who they, they bring out, bring all this into perspective. Um, but, um, and I suggest, also recommend that people try to get a copy of All and Everything by um, George Ivanovich Gurdjieff. That's a wonderful book. That, that book and that teaching really, really changed my life. Mm-hmm. And also the um, Alice Bailey teachings are really interesting. And uh, um, Madame Blavatsky, The Secret Doctrine. doctrine. They're, they're all books that I kind of grew up with. I have to say I don't read those books anymore, but I did, I did read them a lot. I devoured them. <clears throat> and... Uh, and they have a picture of humanity, which is really, really interesting, and I think it's very close to the truth. So, but I won't uh, go into that because it's, it's a big, big uh, the story of the cosmos and why we're here is a really, really big uh, story. But it's a beautiful story, and uh, so we, we're it helped, and it, to make a long story short. It helps us to see that we're actually really, really connected with uh, the great whole, the great picture. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. I'll tell you a story which might help people. I, when I was living in Bordeaux in the south of France, uh, close, to, close to my house were two Buddhist um, temples. One was uh, Tishna Khan, a Vietnamese Buddhist. He had a place called Plum Village. Another place was called Dagpo, which is um, a Tibetan Buddhist place. Now, I used to go to Dagpo every weekend and sit in the temple and meditate. So, Anyway, this is a, one of my epiphanies that broke through and helped me to understand things a little better. I was sitting there one one day, and maybe the energy was destroyed, I don't know. But anyway, I was sitting there with a lot of other people, cross-legged in a, in a pose. Um, and I found myself trying... I found myself grasping for enlightenment. You really understand that. But like a, almost like a spiritual tourist. Mm-hmm. I was like, I want to be enlightened. I, I, and, I, and I thought, this is all coming from my, my uh, ordinary egocentric self. So I thought, how am I going to, what am I going to do about this? So, it's been going on for years. I've been meditating and studying and following gurus and all sorts of stuff. So I thought, okay, I'm going to try and experiment. So what I did, I, I detached myself from my grasping. I thought, I don't want to be enlightened, but I do, I would like everybody in this room to feel something, to get enlightened. And I'll tell you that, that, that one action, that intentional action of changing my direction of desire, Mm-hmm. But from desire for something for me to desire for something for other people, I suddenly I had the strongest sensation of awakening. I just opened my eyes and I could, for the first time in years, I was actually in that room. I saw and heard everything. Everything opened up to me. I understood everything at that moment. So that's yeah. sort of different. And that's because when I look back on it and analyze it, I realize the reason that happened is because I stopped grasping. I stopped mm-hmm. trying to, I stopped trying to be happy. I stopped trying to get enlightenment. I, mm-hmm. It just came through me because I believe that enlightenment is like a river, and it's a, it's a particle of the great love of the cosmos. 
And I think if you give that love out to other people, I think it creates a vacuum and pulls more of it in and you become part of this divine flow. Absolutely. Isn't it uh, yummy? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, it. it's like, yeah, it's like, there's lots of descriptions for it, but, uh, it's, um, but anyway, don't make that your aim to get mm-hmm. the big, um, divine flow. Make your aim to, make your aim to make other people feel better. And mm-hmm. then it will, ha- it will happen in you. Mm-hmm. It's very true. Absolutely very true. And, uh, you know, for many of the guests, pretty much all of the guests that I've been grateful to have, uh, very fortunate to have on my radio show, we talk a lot about that. And, you know, these are all stellar individuals who, you know, very much operating at similar levels of awareness and authenticity and genuineness and, you know, just putting it out there. You know, it's mm-hmm. all about putting it out there, paying it forward, extending the best of you out into the community, into the universe and, uh, and, and with no expectation of anything back it's yes, yes. you know the word, un- any- the word unconditional is really important you know unconditional Absolutely. unconditional love is is true true love you know you're not it's- doing it for a reason you mm-hmm. don't want anything back for it you're just doing it because it's, you're being part of a, of a river of energy well, and because I believe, as you've said, that's that's what we're meant to be here to do, you know, regardless of our individual, uh, you know, what we're passionate about and all those wonderful things. I mean, I think fundamentally at the core of everything, we are here to be the bright light for others. And if everybody mm-hmm. thought that way and everybody interacted that way and everybody dialogued with the universe that way, um, which, you know, I think that's starting to take off. And I think people are starting to get more in touch with the simplicity of mm-hmm. how to create the universe that we all say we wish to survive and, and thrive in and, uh, yeah, and, yeah. And, and and more importantly thrive not survive so um so yes, what I, think, I, I think a big key, a really important key for people is to get in touch with nature yes um because you know if we burned every book on the planet we would still be here but if we burn all those trees we would not be here that's right so i worship trees more than i worship books Absolutely, me too. Me too. And uh, so why don't you share for us, Chris, I know it's all about living in the now and trying to be present and grounded within the now. Um, but of course, you know, having a career and, and having other things that you're endeavoring to do, you know, where, where would, what are you trying to manifest right now? What is it you'd like to see materialize for yourself? Uh, you know, and you can put a time frame on that or not put a time frame on that, but what else do you see in your path or in your journey? Um. I'd like to be the CEO of Apple. No, <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> um, uh, uh, one of the things I get a lot of joy from is um, helping art, unknown artists mm-hmm. to make great uh, expositions of their work. So, mm-hmm. so I, I do. A, I have a studio in uh, downtown Toronto, mm-hmm. in the Sherbourne, Adelaide, the old the Studio City complex building. I try to. Uh, in my downtime, I try to um, always work with uh, unknown artists who I feel have something to say, mm-hmm. and uh, that, that's, that's that's my way of trying to trying to give back. Mm-hmm. And, also, and also, I do a lot of. Uh, I'm, uh, there's an Indie 101 coming up again in October, mm-hmm. which is organised by Daryl Hers. He's a he's a really conscientious, loving. Incredible character. He's, he's one of the best people I've met here um, since I've been here. And uh, he invited me to go out to um, Indy 101 Manchester in the UK mm-hmm. last, uh, earlier 
this year, or last year, sorry, <laughs> and uh, I do mentorship programs. I, te- I talk to some new songwriters and I try to help them with their music. And I also, they, are, they invite me to be a judge on the bands. They have about, in Manchester, they have 100 bands from all over Europe and bands from Canada all playing. And then the same thing's happening in Toronto in October. So mm-hmm. that's, that's, a really, that's a really exciting thing for me because it's part of uh, sharing and helping to uh, develop and help people to evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on a personal level, I just, um, uh, I'm just, I get my, my ultimate joy and my kind of cosmic orgasm, whatever you want to call it, when, mm-hmm. when I, when I write a new piece of music. Well, when a new piece of music comes through me, mm-hmm. and I listen back to it and I just say, where, where did that come from? And, I, and then I say, thank you. And then I usually kind of, in, I'm in tears, you know, because it, it's so, it's such a great gift to be able to, Actually, just come out, get something out of the air like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so that I don't, I don't actually. Apart from that, I don't really care what I do because I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm fulfilled on that Lovely. level. But when I write music, I'm, it's, it's, it's a great, great fulfillment. And when I help other people to make their music sound great, that's another really gift. And I'm just full of gratitude to, to be able to do that. Well, thank you, Chris. And uh, unfortunately, we're at that time on the clock where we're winding down here. Uh, but I'll, I'll certainly be bringing you back onto the show. So I, I want to thank... I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in. I want to thank Chris Burkett very much for being my guest. And Chris, if you want to just quickly, very, very quickly relay your contact information where people can find you. Uh, yes. Uh, if you go to my website, which is Canadian website, <laughs> it's chrisburkett.ca. So that's... Uh, <laughs> B-I-R-K-E-T-T, chrisburkett.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, you can write me an email, but everything actually is on that site, my uh, email address and everything. So, uh, but the email is easy. It's chrisburkett at yahoo.com, so it's pretty straightforward. And um, my album, you can download my album, and it would be nice if you actually paid for it, if you don't mind. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's on iTunes. It's called Be Creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think you read that read a thing about it. We've got uh, Rick Emmett's on it and Triumph and uh, Glenn Milchin from Blue Radio. We've got some really nice people. Fergus Hamilton's on it. Uh, Rosita Stone. Some good uh, talent on the, this record. Okay. Coming coming in as guests. And uh, check out the track uh, Vasilis. Check out Demetrius Bogus's excellent excellent uh, bazooki playing. Wonderful. Well, thank you, Chris, so much for joining me on the show. And like I said, we'll definitely have you back. And uh, really looking forward to our working relationship, writing our book, uh, future get-togethers, the creative process unfolding. So I just want to thank you very much for being in my life and for enriching my journey. I uh, can't thank you enough for that. And I'd like to also thank uh, listeners for once again tuning in to my show. I go live every Friday here at the Contact Talk Radio Network at 11.04 a.m. Eastern standard time if you have any show topic ideas or if you'd like to appear as a guest on my show you can reach me at lisa mcdonald 13 at gmail.com or my website lisa mcdonald author.com which is currently undergoing some construction uh would love to hear from you thank you very much for tuning in i wish everybody a yummy day and we'll see you next friday thanks so much take care everybody all my best you've been listening to carpe diem with your host lisa mcdonald for more information please go to lisa Lisa's website at lisamcdonaldauthor.com.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.